Hi, welcome to the Not Your Average Life Coach podcast. My name is Kay Wilson and I'm a self-empowerment coach and intuitive energy healer. And I am obsessed with helping you step into the most powerful version of yourself. If you are ready to overcome your self-doubt, transform your relationship with love, money and self-worth and start creating the future you that you have always dreamed of becoming, you're in the right place. My desire with this podcast is to help you transform the relationship you have with yourself by sharing with you tools and perspectives that will help you actualize the life you have dreamed of creating. Treat this podcast as your own personal treasure trove of rich ideas, practices and teachings that will transform your day-to-day experience. Joining me is the magnificent Kaz, who as a client of mine has experienced firsthand the effect empowerment energy work and mindset reframing can have on your life. Hi guys, I first came to Kay a few years ago and at the time I needed to make some serious changes in my life. I had just come out of a bad relationship. I was managing a business with a team of over 150 people and I needed to make some changes that I didn't have the tools or capacity for. Working with Kay has been the catalyst I've needed. Since meeting Kay, my whole world has opened up personally, professionally and emotionally. I'm now happily married with a new perspective on life and I'm excited to see what she can do for you. So today we are talking about how to manage imposter syndrome. Spicy. It's a big topic. People talk about this one. No, they don't. You're right. And yet from what I've seen with my work with clients, Pretty much almost everybody has imposter syndrome, I would say. Most people have a level of imposter syndrome. And just to be clear about what we're talking about when we say imposter syndrome, it's basically loosely defined as doubting your abilities or feeling like a fraud. And it quite commonly affects people that are high achieving Um, it's often the cause actually of people being quite high achievers because in their desire to prove themselves they are often coming from a place of self-doubt so um, yeah actually with a lot of my really high achieving clients imposter syndrome is really really common so what causes imposter syndrome Well, this can be a variety of things, Um, but essentially it's an erosion of one's self-belief and whether that comes from, you know, being told by a parent that you're not good enough or that you're never going to succeed or having a partner that might have, you know, verbally or emotionally really cut you down. Or potentially, you know, in some cases, I see people who've had very strong relationships with their parents, but to such a degree that they're no longer really coming from a place of self-belief. They're kind of constantly calling their mum for their thoughts or their partner. In fact, this is really common to this reliance on other people's guidance. And it means that essentially they've stopped backing themselves. And this is, as a side note, where a lot of um, people's, you know, this desire to help others can sometimes be really 
non-productive or counterintuitive because if you're constantly stepping in to give that you know that younger brother or sister or that friend in your group that you know is, is not very dynamic or proactive constantly giving them your advice or consistently giving them your energy in many cases to like support and back them what is often happening is that you're continually actually reinforcing their belief that they can't do it on their own in fact to give it another perspective I was talking to a client yesterday who we were talking about their child and um and co-sleeping and we discussed the fact that co-sleeping is I mean it's not a judgment of co-sleeping co-sleeping is great and it works for lots of people in the case that I had yesterday when I was talking with the mum she was just exhausted and she realized that actually it might be more helpful when her daughter comes in in the middle of the night because she's scared walking her back to her room and sitting there and saying to her I can feel so much love in this room I can feel so much um support in this room and so basically reinforcing this child's belief in her space and helping this child find a sense of self in her experience and reassuring her that her space was safe um whereas prior to that it was just come on get in and and that little girl sleeping with her mum and the mum actually just not getting a very good night's sleep which cumulatively over time was just having a really big effect on the mum's ability to show up and and so it's just worth thinking about you know supporting our family our friends obviously is a big part of being a compassionate human and it's just really dancing that balance between positively empoweringly supporting that person and or rather stepping into such a degree that that person's no longer empowered within themselves they're just kind of reliant on you to fix everything all the time because that can really shape up into a dynamic where that child grows into an adult that doubts themselves so um really interesting way to think about it I'd, i'd not thought about it from that perspective of how we actually get to the point where we suffer from imposter syndrome and looking at your past experiences but also the the language of the people that are around you to support you whether they give you doubt or whether they encourage you yeah it's a big part of the picture and and you know so much of our cultural narrative is around empathizing with the person when we're helping them And I know that this comes from a really heartfelt place because we're conditioned that it is. But in actual fact, all it does is reinforce where that person is. So if someone comes to me and they're, I'm really lost in my relationship, that this person has done this, this and this, they don't respect me. And I sit there and go, wow, that's really out of order. Oh my goodness, Um, that must be really hard wow I don't know you know I don't know how you're doing that they're terrible and I line up with everything they're saying all I'm actually doing is reinforcing the situation they're in and I'm not actually helping them and 
if I turn around to them and say, wow, this is a really powerful opportunity for you to really think about what you need and what you want. I'm so excited to see how you move through this. I know that you're going to do that. I believe in you and I trust you. Then we're really reinforcing that person's sense of self. Mm. Um, in relationships, this dynamic can work out a lot too, where one partner is naturally more proactive than the other, for example, and the partner can be quite critical of the other and feels like they're constantly telling them, you know, I need you to do this, can you do that? And oh, my partner never thinks for themselves, they have no initiative. And actually that again, can be constant, that can be reinforced by constantly telling that person what should or shouldn't be done. Instead of saying, well, how do you feel? What are your thoughts? You know, do you think this would be helpful? Let's think about this together. What's the best solution as a team? You know, it's just being really aware of maybe someone in your life that you would like to be a little bit more confident, helping them believe in themselves. So when they ask you for your opinion, instead of offering it out all the time, maybe saying, well, what do you think? What's your perspective? And also not doing it in a, a judgmental way. You know, people actually only open up when they feel safe. Mm. And so if you are asking that person their opinion, do it with real patience and real kindness and sincerity. Like it has to come with sincerity and being aware that that person might not be used to being asked for their opinion. And so just giving them some time to digest that before they offer it and not diminishing that space in any way. I feel like imposter syndrome is probably more prevalent now than ever in a society where everything is on display too. So you're constantly having to prove yourself to others or that's how people feel. And, and therefore they're sort of chasing all the time um, other people's impressions of them. So I, I see it a lot in um, more the corporate environment than I do. And I, I don't know why that is. Can you speak to why it's more prevalent in the corporate environment? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's more prevalent. It's more that I think, as I said, it kind of, it, it affects high achievers. And I think the corporate environment really glorifies high achievers, obviously. And so I, I actually think our awareness of it has increased. Right. So I do a lot of generational healing work and I see imposter syndrome in the gen like frequently in generations that have come before us yeah. and yet because there was no uh, acceptance or space or acknowledgement for that in those generations there was therefore no um they had no ability to own it or become aware of it a lot of people just pushed through or you know had a stiff upper lip about it a lot of prior, you know, prior generations to this, this isn't news to anyone, but we all seen it in our parents and our grandparents. They didn't talk about their emotions. That was not encouraged. You know, we've only as a general, like a society become used to the idea of talking to a psychiatrist or a psychologist in the last, what, five, 10 years, um, let alone energy healers like me. You know, this is really in the last five years that this has become acceptable on a sociable scale level rather and so seen as a positive rather than a negative yeah. Yeah, everyone I used to see that self-help as such a negative yeah. 
which is such a shame because you're seeking a more positive outcome. Well, this is it. This is all about comfort and vulnerability, right? Which is actually where corporate, a lot of corporate culture is very challenged. Um, and I've done, like, I get asked by corporates to go in and do workshops for leadership a lot. And that is largely around encouraging leaders to allow for vulnerability. And, you know, emotions are really challenging to deal with in the workplace. And I think a lot of leaders or managers find that really confronting because generally because they actually don't know how to deal with their own stuff, let alone with, you know, their 50 or 100 person team, you know, so it's actually about empowering the people in your team, in your corporation with skill sets that can support themselves that will then translate across their teams. And I think with our growing comfort and deep recognition that actually having a a deep understanding of yourself is really powerful and really profitable actually in the long run because your team your company are going to thrive if they've got the right internal support structure not in terms of just their leader but a leader that knows what's going on for them mentally and emotionally and is actually supporting them in that journey as well as everything that they're doing on a a fiscal level you know a commercial level And I don't think that everyone needs to be a psychologist or anything like that, but it's just about having a certain understanding of how to hold space for people when they're going through challenging times and really encouraging people to come to work from a heart-led perspective. See, all this terminology, all these perspectives are challenging for a lot of people in traditional corporate because it's just not a, a world that they've been introduced to, they're familiar with, and it feels overwhelming. And a lot of people, as we've said, are suffering from imposter syndrome. And so showing any kind of vulnerability seems, it's it's almost like a Pandora's box that they're terrified of opening because they don't know how deep it is and what's going to come out and you know what that's going to look like. And they don't want to share that with people at work. That's where they show up and act strong. And yet, you spend so much time at work, (laughs) it's crazy that you're not given more support and tools around understanding how to cope and manage with that in a much more productive way. What are some telltale signs of imposter syndrome that you see? You deflect praise. You constantly compare yourself to the people around you. You fear being called out as not good enough or as an imposter, you agonize and overthink everything. You can be quite defensive around your ideas or, you know, when you're questioned about your work or when you're questioned in a meeting um, and you have a chronic fear of failing and you're terrified of opening up to people because you don't want to share that because then you're, you're, you're kind of owning that you're terrified of being a failure. Mm. So, I mean, I think a lot of people resonate with that. And so it's understanding how widespread that fear, doubt is. And really, you know, if you own a business and you resonate with those things, the chances are your team will too, your company will too. And it's really considering, well, 
how am I managing this, let alone the people around me? And remembering that we're all human, you know? You have these high performance metrics. Well, what about human performance metrics? Like, I know that this narrative is starting to come into the workplace. Like, I'm aware that there are people and organizations out there who are really encouraging that kind of approach. And and it's those companies that are are giving themselves the space to actually expand. And I think it's a step, it's a it can be a you know a step back before you take two steps forward situation because there is going to be a period where you have your staff you know potentially on a course where they are knocked about a bit internally because they're coming to terms with their own stuff but in the long term they're going to come out of it much stronger much more empowered and able to sit with people on their team that are going through things and hold space for them we talk about holding space a lot and just so we're clear that's holding space is when you can sit with someone who's expressing themselves honestly and vulnerably and doing it without judgment with real patience with real sincerity and with the real desire to just listen not fix anything not offer your opinion just hear that person out that is often all a staff member really needs yeah and what if what if you recognize that you are suffering from imposter syndrome like i would imagine that's a really crippling anxious feeling for someone um especially day to day in their roles no matter what the role is whether you own the business you're working in the business mm-hmm. you're and I would imagine that it's um it's a two-part question I would also imagine that um it can become more obvious to someone if they step into a new role or a new experience but it must um I think a lot of people suffer from that anxiety that comes with it. So are there any ways that they can recognize that, manage it in the moment? Yeah, um, absolutely. I just want to include in that is, you know, that it doesn't just affect people in corporate. Um, I also get a lot of mums who feel like imposters at being a mum. Um, so yeah, just being aware that, you know, it obviously affects, affects all of us in different ways. I know when I first started being an energy healer, I felt like an imposter, you know, I think anyone in the new business often feels that as well, or even in a business they've had for a while, if they don't feel they're as successful as they should be, which is often a big cause of it, then they feel like they're an imposter. Um, so the origin of it, as I said earlier, I believe is this erosion of trust in yourself. And so that, therefore, is where we need to start doing the work to rebuild that belief and trust in in yourself. And so the first and easiest thing I always suggest doing is just increasing your awareness about how you're talking to yourself, firstly, and how you're describing yourself to others. So as I mentioned earlier, one of the signs is deflecting praise. So if someone comes up and says, wow, you did a really great job on X, Y, Z, or someone says, oh my goodness, you're such a great mother, or you know, whatever the, the compliment might look like, just observing what your natural reaction is, which is, it might be to change the subject completely, or to say, oh, but so-and-so is much better, or you know, whatever it might be. So observing that and then asking yourself well how can I react to that in a way where I just accept what I'm being offered how can I allow myself to accept 
praise. Because when we have eroded our trust in ourselves, it's it's like any relationship. If you don't trust someone, you have, or if you're not trusted by somebody rather, you have to earn that back. And so this is the same process. It's literally step-by-step, gently doing things to earn that trust back and allowing yourself to be told that you've done well Allowing yourself to receive praise is a really powerful step in acknowledging that you have value. And initially that value is witnessed by others, but over time, as you begin this process of building self-trust, you'll recognize that value for and within yourself. You may already have a level of that, in which case this will just be highlighted and nurtured, which is great. Being aware of the narrative that you use when people ask you how you're doing. Is it a long list of struggles, a long list of fears, a long list of obstacles that you need to overcome or people that you need to rescue? What is the the rhetoric that you are delivering to other people about yourself? Being really aware that you are the one that hears your story the most. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So you might meet 10 people in a day and tell them or a week, whatever your work, you know, your life looks like. And you might tell each and every one of them this long list of woe. But the person that's hearing it 10 different times is you. So the person that's being brainwashed into believing that is you. And so being really aware that if you just tweak that story, we don't want you to lie. Okay. And I'm not talking about false positives as in oh my god my life is amazing when you're really worried about stuff or you know things are okay but they could be but you know it's not about lying but it's just about being really aware of where you are diminishing or disempowering yourself unnecessarily and restructuring it into a way that actually feels better so being much more conscious of how you are describing yourself and your life to others um so that's the external narrative and then the internal narrative this is actually where the gold is so just becoming increasingly aware of what you are saying to yourself through your day you know when you're waking up for your waking up in the morning if the first thing you say to yourself is oh my God, another day I have to get through. Well, that's probably not going to feel very comforting. You might not enjoy your job right now, in which case you might wake up in the morning and say to yourself, I know that today will bring me challenges, but I know I'll navigate them. And I'm really happy that I know that. Because as I said, we're not looking for false positives. We're just looking for language that is actually supportive. And then witnessing yourself through the day and gently starting to encourage yourself, looking for reasons to praise yourself, or at least not give yourself a hard time. Observing where you might be comparing yourself to others and recognizing that every single one of us is unique and that we all have something special to offer and that someone doing something wonderful isn't something to be envious of. It's something that 
shows you that this person, because they're around you, is actually in a similar energy to you. You've attracted each other, which means that you are capable of just as beautiful work or contributions as that person is. So don't see that person as a competitor, rather see it as a reflection of who you are and the gifts that you have too. Does that make sense, Kaz? It does. I mean, I think a lot of people, um, I'm going to use the corporate example, in a team environment would probably, imposter syndrome can creep in a bit when you're observing other people that you may view as more intelligent or powerful or. Yeah. So this is where a leader, yeah, this is where a leader has a real opportunity to shine because when a leader can create a team environment, which honors that honors the fact that every single member in that team is offering something really unique and valuable And the more that we can encourage each other in this team to offer our own perspectives, the more, the richer the overall quality that that team will produce will be. What about if you are the team member, not in a position to do that, and you are suffering with imposter syndrome? What's a way that you can soothe yourself in the moment or after the moment? Within, okay, so with a view to that comparison thing, As I said earlier, moving that mindset from everyone in my team is against me to everyone in my team is there because I am part, I am part of this team because I am just as worthy as they are and they reflect back at me what I am capable of. Mm -hmm. So the only, I'm going to move into the energy space just for a moment because it it will explain what I'm trying to get across. And that is that every single one of us is always attracting people like us. So look at your team as your reflection, not your competition. If you see great work by someone in your team, it's a sign that you're capable of exactly the same thing, if not more. So if you cheer on your team members, you're cheering yourself on. If you can start seeing them as your allies and they're literally basically showing you this mirror of, well, you can do this too. Don't allow me to get in your way. Rather think of me as someone that's just kind of holding the door and being like, come on, this is where, this is who you are. Remember, that's why you're here. We're the same. It's that mindset shift of trying to um, recognize that you're a member of a team because you're invited to be there because you are seen, viewed and believed to be capable of exactly the things the people around you are creating. You are the only person that is doubting that. You wouldn't be in that team if you weren't capable of doing it. So instead of seeing everybody around you as a competitor, just see that everybody around you as a reflection of you. And your cheerleaders, in a way. No, I agree. With, I agree with that. I was writing a note down of um, a mindset finished. shift from one to the other. Is that? Can you see what I mean? Yeah, I can. All of this, but I just want to really make sure that it's clear. Because I remember myself when I made that flip. I was like, ah, oh, these people are like, they're just kind of holding the banner. Yeah, they're not against me. They're like, they're my team, you know? Yeah. And it's like, this is where I'm meant to be. This is what I'm a part of. 
And a lot of the time I find that connection with people. So in my experience, I've found that sometimes if I'm unsure about, if I'm feeling anxious, I'm not sure if it's imposter syndrome, but it's all connected. If, if there's something where I feel like I'm a bit foreign to the topic and I'm not getting it, instead of just acting like, like I should be there or I do know what's going on. A lot of the times I throw my hand up now, it helps my anxiety. It helps me deal with imposter syndrome. I throw my hands up and say like, please forgive me, but I'm completely lost here. I don't know. I don't know. Can someone just help me understand this a little bit clearer? Or it could be a, um, there's nothing wrong in doing that. It's actually quite a powerful thing for yourself because you're saying, Hey, I'm not the expert on this topic. I'm really trying to understand it. Can you help me get there? It creates a community. And a lot of the time you find that you might ask a question that half the table then says, I'm with you on that. But everyone's too afraid to say, I don't know. And it's okay not to know everything. Um, so I find that honesty, brutal honesty sometimes, <laughs> can be the best way to help you help you navigate around that because a lot of this time we're all trying to act like we have all the answers or our team has all the answers or and it's okay to throw your hands up and say I don't I'm going to come back to you on that and then navigate your way through it I think that's so clever yeah I think that's a really clever strategy the only thing I would be wary of is that the beginning bit around you know I don't get it or what was the thing you said um what did I say oh I don't have all the answers or I'm, I'm not, not the expert. expert that's it yeah so and there's like that's I don't think being an expert in anything is that helpful because then you've stopped learning which is never helpful you always want to be a student in whatever school you're studying because you I'm really going to grow <laughs> yeah if you think you're the smartest person in the room you're in trouble 100 yeah. percent. equally though just be really aware that you don't want to diminish yourself either yes yeah so just I think that technique is fantastic as a leader um it might just you just want to be you know really aware of how you and I think as a leader you can do that you can turn around and say look I know every single one of you around this table has got really great ideas and I don't know about you guys but I need some clarity around this I need some more clarity around this I can't wait for us to like really chew this apart together or whatever it might be but that's where a leader has so much opportunity to shine when they are looking at everybody in their team as like different limbs on a body and you see when those limbs work in harmony that body is super fit and can do anything and tackle anything and meet whatever targets it needs to but when one person or limb is judged as more important or better than the rest it's going to make the rest of the body weaker so yeah I think that's a really great technique just being really aware not to don't diminish yourself in order to get others to feel more comfortable just encourage everybody to shine as brightly as they can and you know if you are in a team where the leader isn't that powerful in themselves and not creating that dynamic maybe take the initiative by highlighting the strengths in your team to the people in your team because you can bet your bottom dollar that they're all just as self-doubting as you might feel 
And so if one of you has the courage to turn around and go, oh my goodness, what you've done there is so amazing. And it's really inspired me to think of X, Y, Z and turning around to somebody else and saying, and what you've done there, I think would go really well with what Sarah over here has done. And you can start to create that dynamic. Yeah, because I guess that's all that ties into the energy that you were saying, what you give is what you get back. Because when you appreciate someone else, you might then feel more appreciated, which helps with all of these things. That is exactly right. The law of cause and effect. The energy that you put into something is the energy that you're going to get back. And if you're not sure about the energy that you're putting into something, all you have to do is think about the area of your life that you're not sure about and write one word that sums up the way that you feel about it. So it might be your manager, for example, or your team. What is the one word that sums up the way that you feel about it? It might be the way you feel you are as a mother or the way you feel you are as a partner or a best friend, whatever the relationship is. How do you feel about it? that will tell you the energy that you are putting towards it and equally what you can start to transform it into if you want to so that's definitely something i would encourage you to do is look at the energy you're putting into something i would also like you to just carry on with that internal narrative because it's so important when you are scared of something support and reassure yourself the way you would your best friend or even a child okay because essentially what we're dealing with here is old wounds potentially that may have started in childhood so don't think that what you're doing is immature or unnecessary or overdramatic comfort is always going to have a profound effect when it's done really lovingly and often we are most loving to children and animals. So start to show yourself that sort of love and respect. So if you've got a day coming up where there's a lot of things in it that are scary to you for whatever reason, say to yourself, it's okay, everything's gonna work out. I don't know how, and that's okay. Allowing yourself also to not know all the answers is also really powerful like has just demonstrated with that team example, owning your truth, like saying, I don't actually have all the answers right now, can be really powerful because you can guarantee that the people around you might be really fearful of owning their truth. And watching one person do it can actually empower others to own up to them being in the same place. So giving yourself permission to not know all the answers, reassuring yourself that at the right time, you will either ask for help or what you need will come to you. Put it this way, you have navigated every single obstacle in your life. That's why you are where you're at right now. Give yourself some credit and continue with that gentle reinforcement, internal support, conversation and narrative so that you become more and more familiar with yourself and more powerful within your conversation. Because what will inevitably happen is you'll start with this really gentle, soft, loving 
um, relationship building, trust earning perspective. And that will gain ground and grow energy. And as it does so, you will become more confident in yourself. So much so that when people throw new things at you to do, or you know, you decide you might feel more inclined to try new things because you feel more secure in who you are. The fear of failing will become diminished because the internal narrative will become. I don't care how many times you fail, Kay, I'm always going to back you. That is my internal narrative, just in case you wondered. <laughs> and I guess that that then creates confidence because I think um, I, in my experience of stories that I've listened to, imposter syndrome can, um, once someone builds confidence, it, it tends to ease a little mm-hmm. bit, not fully. But I, uh, my observation is then that, they're starting to build confidence within themselves. That's it. Therefore, the imposter, you don't feel like such an imposter anymore because you're comfortable being in whatever position that might be. That is it. And, you know, failure is a really big one for so many people. Failure is the thing that can really out an imposter syndrome because people are much more inclined to stay in their lane because they're terrified of failure and yet feel miserable in it. And yet the truth is that, you know, the only real disservice we can do ourselves is to not try. Failure is inevitable for all of us. We're all gonna fail in some way at some time. And it's actually our ability to just keep trying that builds that sense of self and actually builds success. Every pathway to success is littered with failure. And when you are no longer threatened by it, when you even relish the fear of failure, then you know that you're cooking with gas because you've really built that internal combustion system inside of yourself. So narrative, your external narrative and your internal narrative are really, really important, as well as looking at the energy that you're sending out versus the energy, because that will create, sorry, the energy that you are receiving back. Another really great way of building that trust is to start to create experiences that um, support consistency. So a lot of people who doubt themselves have at some point potentially found the courage to try something and it has failed and then they've retreated into their shell. Woe is me, life is over. I'm just going to stay doing, I don't know, whatever the job might be. And they're miserable. And actually all that needs to happen is that we want to just try with something small so it might be I'm going to set myself the goal of I don't know going for a walk or a run three times every week for the next month or maybe not even as big as that whatever is comfortable do something that is comfortable because the purpose is not necessarily to smash the goals it's actually just to meet yourself with consistency So it might mean I have one piece of fruit a day for five days, whatever the thing might be. But if you can just start to set small little goals that you know you can meet, just to gradually over time prove to yourself that you actually care enough to meet those goals, meet those invitations to yourself to show up, you will start to build that trust within who you are. Um, So that's a really great way to really build that slow relationship with yourself. Now, something that can 
trigger you, and this is often the biggest symptom of um, imposter syndrome, is that spiral thinking. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, I think before this, you know, Kaz and I have talked about this before. I'm laughing because that's me. Like I I always, well, it used to be me. Yeah. Right. So, and what we mean by that essentially is that you know, you might have, I think Kaz used this as an example, you know, she'll be in um, some sort of interaction with a work person, come away from it, and then start kind of overanalyzing how she might have showed up, or, or, or they'll have said something which at the time felt innocuous, but then afterward, you know, it starts to, you know, all this importance becomes attached to it because of your thoughts. And, and this is so true of so many people that have this you know, problem. It's it's basically these small little incidences, which when we're given this opportunity to agonize and overthink and overanalyze, we attach all these stories to these experiences that are built from fear and doubt and insecurities. And there's a couple of things you can do here, okay? Um, the first one is basically to observe that the thoughts um, and feelings that you're attaching to that experience or what was said or whatever it might be can actually be sat with so what I mean is if you are walking away from some sort of encounter and you can hear the beginning of this spiral so you can see your thoughts are just starting to go into it what I'd highly actually encourage is that you find somewhere to just be alone and it might be at the end of the day, just you get home from work or whatever, uh, or you've dropped the kids off at play school or, or someone's come to help and you've just got a pocket of time for yourself. You sit down, you close your eyes and you picture that interaction again, the interaction that is so in your face and you give yourself permission to fully feel everything that came up. So that fear that is going at you or even the denial of that fear. I'm not really worried about this because that's often what's going happening. You've got this actual war going on. I'm not scared, I'm not scared. They're idiots, it's not me, whatever the thing might be. What I'd like you to do is to just sit with the denial. Okay, I'm in denial or it wasn't me or sit with the fear of it or sit with both of those things. So feeling everything that's come up from that experience internally, just closing your eyes, breathing deeply, and just allowing yourself to literally feel everything around that. There's a couple of exercises I take people through in the Alchemize Method that really help that. And energy work, this is what energy work does. It allows you to move through really challenging feelings so they no longer bother you. But if you can just sit and hold space for yourself, so that means just don't move, just close your eyes and allow yourself to feel all the uncomfortable things, but with the overall knowledge that it's all going to be okay, you're going to move through it, then you will. The other thing you can do is observe that small thoughts, if you like, as in overanalyzing a particular situation can create lots of small little insecurities that will build up over time if they're allowed to, can be stopped early on by recognizing that overall, your true, your overarching beliefs are that this experience is probably not going to turn into the avalanche that yeah. the small voice inside is suggesting it might. 
don't think that for one minute this tantrum or these fears, these doubts have to take control of your entire mind. You have control of your mind. It's just about deciding which thoughts you want to focus on because wherever you put your focus, your energy will follow. That's really good advice. Great. Um, so I think that that is everything that we were going to cover. And I, I would say to people as well, um, don't be surprised. I think a lot of people suffering imposter syndrome think that they must be the only one because it can feel like that. But the more you open up about it, you'd be amazed. Like okay. if you talk to friends or you'd be amazed how many people also feel the same. So if you can talk to people about that, it can make you feel safer, make you feel less vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can absolutely verify that. Like I have seen, you know, um, young students with imposter syndrome and I've seen multi-million dollar CEOs at the top of their game with the same thing and everyone in between. So it's, and it's not necessarily something someone has all the time either. It can be triggered by life events, you know? So be really gentle with yourself and be really lead with compassion, you know, internally, externally for others, for yourself. Um, and just be aware that it is something that you can overcome. It does take time. You're literally creating a relationship with yourself to earn back your self-trust. That's all that's happening. So be patient. Great. So wonderful to have you all here. Thank you for listening. If you have further questions or have a particular topic you would like Kaz and I to speak to, please get in touch at hello at kwilson.love. If you want to check out our other episodes, then please do so. Uh, you can find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher and Amazon and Spotify. Please subscribe and obviously share with whoever you think this will serve. Take care. Lots of love, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.